Welcome to Leadership Lessons. I'm Todd Gray, the Executive Director for the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Leadership Lessons is a program where we talk to faithful leaders who are making an impact for the gospel. Thank you for joining Leadership Lessons. I have Hope Juarez with me, one of our KBC's very own. Hope, thank you for your ministry to Kentucky Baptist, but also for joining Leadership Lessons. Appreciate it. Excited to be here. So let's let's jump right in. You grew up in Mexico City, Mexico. How did you become a Christian? Well, I grew up in church. We are the fourth generation of Baptists, which is very unique in Mexico City. Uh, I grew up at church. I knew all the answers. The neighborhood that we used to live in was up in the mountains, kind of in a hilly neighborhood. And one day, going down the hill, the Lord spoke to me. I remember vividly and said, yeah, you know scripture, but you don't know me. So uh, it was there. I I remember the car that I was driving, still my ideal car. We loved to buy that car at one point. And uh, I surrendered to Jesus Christ then. Got baptized uh, uh, shortly after that. So, Hope, Mexico City is either the largest or the second or third largest city in the world, depending on current population. And you tell the story that when you were dating your now wife, Marcella, that you lived on one side of the city. Mm -hmm. She lived on the other side of the city. How long did it take for you to get to where she lived? I was a south side kind of guy. Mm -hmm. She's a north side of girl. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what we did. It was about two and a half, three hours. Subway, riding the bus, riding your own car. Toll roads, country roads, it don't wow. matter, between two and a half and three hours. I mean, that's yeah. halfway across the state of Kentucky. It is. And it that's, is. that's one city. All right. It is. So if you were not involved in ministry, Christian yeah. ministry leadership, what would you be doing? What track would, would you have been on? I, I always consider a couple of things, but honestly, I was going to become, think about the Mexican DEA. Okay. I'd applied to that. It's called actually the uh, El Instituto Mexicano Antidrogas. I actually applied to it and I got rejected. Really? Yeah. Did you find out why? Yes. Years <laughs> later, one of my uncles, my, my, my mom's older brother, he used to be a captain in the army. Mm-hmm. So my mom was concerned about my safety. So she talked to my uncle and he actually got me uh, uh, disqualified wow. to, I know, I know. Breaking news. I, I mean, know, right it really is. Lessons. And they were talking about it as if it was nothing. Oh yeah, remember when that happened? <laughs> yeah, that was me and your uncle. It's like, okay, that's, that's hilarious. They it were is. looking out for you and providentially you ended up um, where, where you are. Thank so you. how did you make your way from Mexico City, Mexico to Kentucky? I was uh, finishing my NDF. Thankful to our SBC family. I'm an SBC guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the product of SBC. Uh, my church in Mexico was planted by IMB missionaries. Uh, my faculty in, in the Mexican seminary, it's one of our Southern Baptist slash IMB seminaries. I was finishing my MDF, and there was a church in Cancun that was in the process of inviting me to become their pastor. Right around the same time, uh, KBC had a partnership with the seminary. They invited me to come over as a summer missionary. And uh, it was right in between those two that Marcella, my girlfriend at that time, and I, we prayed about it. Do we want to go to Cancun? Is God calling us to Kentucky? And uh, uh, the Lord confirmed he wanted us to, to be up here. That's incredible. It is. Marcella is really good at reminding me that uh-huh. when we're shoveling snow <laughs> or when it's 10 degrees outside. Well, you know, I love, you know. The, I love the cooperative program connection. Yeah. I, uh, you probably shared that with me, but I, would, I didn't remember yeah. that all these, these cooperative program connections, so the church that was planted yes. behind me, the seminary you attended, Absolutely. the professors that, that, that taught you. So... Right here is an investment. In- uh, um, my heart is so dedicated to SBC causes for so many reasons, but probably the most important one is 
the shaping of my own story. Yeah. I would not be where I am now if it wasn't because of the faithfulness of, of, of Southern Baptists. So you are the group leader for yes. the church planting work. You, you give leadership to our church mm -hmm. planting. There are two other team members, yes. actually three. There's right. a ministry assistant and two other yeah. team members on, on, on that, in that group. Um, tell us about a typical day for you. I would say most of our days are split either in three big sections. We are either serving, we are training, or we're strategizing. Okay. So a typical day is going to sometimes be only one of those, or it's going to include all three of them. We're either serving the people on the field. We want to be available. We're always checking on them, trying to visit them, trying to become a real corporate presence mm -hmm. in, the, in the lives of our partners, planters, AMSs, pastors. We're also thinking about training. We are trying to be poured in. We are learning about current trends, trying to learn from for, uh, uh, solid sources. And portion of the day is also dedicated to strategizing. How do we utilize the resources of Kentucky Baptist for the expansion of the kingdom through church planting? So I would say it's gonna be a combination of those three. Um, lots of miles on the road, mm -hmm. lots of miles on the road. Lots of texting, phone calling, emailing, but all, all of joy, all of them are joy. You enjoy your work? I do, I really yeah. what do. What do you like most about it? What, what brings you the greatest thrill or joy in, in the, the assignment that God's given you? It's, uh, that's, that's such a great question. I would say if I was to reflect on who God created me to be and the connection between that and the role that I have, one is just the opportunity that I've been given to think about the future, to mm -hmm. help set vision, to to look at global trends, to look at society trends, and think about what the church could be, that aspect of potentiality, things in the future. But another one is related to being in contact with people. I mm -hmm. enjoy being with people. Uh, I would uh, I would die if I was all day, all day long in an office or behind a computer screen. That's not who I am. Yeah. Um, thankful for brothers and sisters who are capable of doing that. But I have to have my, my personal connection, and, and my job allows me to do both, and, and it's exciting. I mean, you have an office here in, yeah. in the building in Louisville, but you don't use it very often, and when you're Not strategizing, really. KBC doesn't plant churches. Right. Churches plant churches, and we're working with churches and associations, sure. helping them think through. So let me ask a question yeah. that, that you're answering a lot of times, at least in your mind. Yeah. We have currently roughly 2,360 Kentucky Baptist churches in yeah. Kentucky KBC churches. That's one church for every 1,900 people yep. in the state. Why do we need more churches in Kentucky? That's another great question. I think the first question is population ratio, as you have mentioned. We do not have enough. Even if all of our churches were full, we would still need more churches for people to come. That's one. The second one is it's the love that we have for our communities. We all love our, our towns, whether it's... It's the big city of Louisville, Lexington, Northern Kentucky, or, or the smaller towns all across the Commonwealth. It has been proven and observed by all of us that when a church is planted, good happens in the community as a result of the presence of the gospel. The crime rates drop, children are being transformed. There's just good that God brings to the community mm -hmm. through the work of a local church. Thirdly, I think that um, there are people for every church, mm -hmm. and there are churches for every people, yeah. from worship style, from preaching style. Um, some, um, some people like me, some mm -hmm. others just cannot tolerate me, and that's <laughs> perfectly okay. So when I have planted churches, I can only be effective to a degree because of that natural connection. People enjoy, again, tone 
and, and worship style, and, and we need to have a diverse uh, array of churches that are reaching and being able to target multiple people. And finally, uh, population growth, sir. Yeah. The, uh, the, the population continues to grow. We need more churches just to keep up with the population growth that is occurring in the Commonwealth. Well, I know one thing that you've done recently is that you interact with associational leaders yeah. and you look at their community with them right. and you all start thinking about and praying about, is there a need in this association yes. or community for an additional church? Yeah. And you've actually, you are, you're discovering some places where we need new church. Could you tell us about a couple of those? Yeah, absolutely. We have been doing, uh, uh, we have been using some resources and we have identified 10 of them. Let me share three of those okay. uh, with you right now. And uh, probably for people that are listening to us, if, if they have any questions, they can contact us, our department, myself. Uh, feel free to let us know. But the three that we have identified that the highest needs right now, number one, it's uh, the Mexican population in Louisville. Uh, we, we need desperately need a multiplying gospel-centered Mexican church in Louisville. We have Mexican believers in the city of Louisville but we do not have a church that is homogenically composed by his Mexican Mexican people. Yeah. Uh, we want to see that happening. It's important. The second one is Southeast Asians people in Lexington. 3.7% okay. of the population mm -hmm. is Lexington. Wow. It's from Southeast Asia. We same 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 scenario. We have two mosques and two one Buddhist temple in Lexington. Wow. But we do not have a gospel-centered church led by that is attracting people from Southeast Asia. The third one that we are highlighting, we are calling this strategy snapshots, our church planting snapshots. The third one is actually in collaboration uh, with our association in Owensboro with, with the uh, Davis-McLean Association. It's in the southwest area of town, a couple of neighborhoods, Azalea slash Dogwood. Mm -hmm. We have about 25,000 people within a mile radius, walking distance. We all walk a mile when we're exercising, mm -hmm. we're doing shopping at the mall, that's a mile. Within a mile walking radius, in that neighborhood you have 25 plus people, not a single church in that area. Here's a very interesting data about that community. 56% of the population in that area only have one parent in the house. Wow. It's either a mom or a dad. So can you imagine the need that is yeah. down there for, for a church that is willing to embrace the community, pray for them, and just ask the Lord to send workers to that area. So those are some of the areas. We have a, a seven more, probably don't have time to go to all, over mm -hmm. all of them, but if anyone's interested to hear about that, please be sure that they are contacting us. And Hope, I love the, the way that you're doing this work in collaboration with the associational leader. Yes. In fact, I, I talked to the AMS in Owensboro and yes. he shared some information that Toby yeah. on your team had, yes. had shared with him. Yeah. They started digging into it together mm -hmm. and the association itself recognized this is an area yes. where we need a, a gospel. Yeah ministry. So great, great work on that. I appreciate it. It celebrates sir. our collaboration, cooperation. All Absolutely. Those We're here to serve churches, pastors in any way we can and, and just to follow, follow the local church and our partners in any way we can. So let's talk about church planters themselves yeah. for a minute. Yeah. If we were to think about a profile of a church planter in Kentucky, yeah. it may not look like a church planter in Chicago sure. or San Francisco or New York City, yeah. um, but what's unique, uh, what, what kind of challenges do church planters face that are just kind of unique to them. Maybe the local church pastor doesn't experience the same way. Yeah, I would say the first one, sir, is that a church planter, just because of the nature of their work, that is sowing and watering, sowing and watering, they don't, 
they don't see harvest as quickly as mm -hmm. many others see in their ministry. So a planter is thinking today, but it's also thinking about five years down the road. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to uh, issues in society, changes in government, everyone has an opinion about everything mm -hmm. nowadays. Yep. So the guys have to be educated, highly educated on topics that us in established churches, we may get to hear two or three years down the road. A church planter is required. I can tell you a quick story. There's a church that was planted here in Louisville. I personally do not have a, a Facebook page, but my wife does. And she showed me how a pastor had posted that they were going to have a Love Your Community Day. Mm -hmm. They were going to do nothing but just going into the community, serving, loving, sweeping floors and, you know, sidewalks and, and cutting grass in, in, in parks. They were just going to love their community. Within five minutes, they had about a hundred people asking very direct questions. Great that you're doing that, but what's your stand on this issue? What's your stand on that issue? What's yeah. your stand on that issue? We do not get to hear that immediately. We do, yeah. but it's at a different rate. A church planter is the, the point of the spear in such a matter in such manner that actually they have to deal with those issues immediately, yeah. tremendously quickly. The second one I would say is that a, that a church planter has to be able to be a, a, a man of, of many trades at once. Mm -hmm. They have to wear many hats and they have to be able to collaborate without necessarily the support of many staffers early on in the process particularly, but they have to be able to manage multiple areas of church that we can delegate to other people. Mm -hmm. So they have to know about administration, they have to know about security, they have to know about how to manage a building, they mm -hmm. have to know about all of those things. Then in established church, the body of Christ yeah. has multiple people they can supplement those. Yeah, that's helpful. So yeah. my guess is, and my interaction with church planters is they deal with discouragement the same way every oh, ministry leader yes. does. If we want to, if I want to try and encourage a church planter in my area, right. what could I do? What's something that could be done to help? Oh, that? thanks so much for asking that. We have a we have already a system. It's it's an organizational system, but it's called Pray For. Yeah. We are we have a system where people can sign up, and we are sending prayer requests every week from one of our planters specifically. If people want information about that, they can contact us. We will send them the information. That's one. The second one is I would encourage them also to contact us if, if a pastor wants to encourage a church planter, we have access to information that may, not, not everyone may know. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. Maybe the great family has a heart for children of, mm -hmm. of pastors and planters. Feel free to contact us. We can connect you directly with a planter that we know needs encouragement on that specific area. Mm -hmm. We can take it at such a level that it's a personalized connection. Maybe God has given you a burden for for a planter's wife, how do you go about that? We can help you, mm -hmm. we can help you do that. But I would say the third way, just look around you. You probably already have a planter. You already, maybe not in your immediate town, maybe not in your association, but around you, you have someone that is already on the ground. Write them a, a note, mm -hmm. take them out for lunch. Don't, don't, don't tell much, mm -hmm. listen more. That's good. Ask a couple of questions and at the end of it, just pray for them. Uh, take them out for a cup of coffee, just be there for them, no agenda. That's tremendous encouragement for, for our planet. That's really good counsel. Yeah. So two yeah. ears, one mouth, listen more than we talk, and yes. be short on advice for a guy that's Absolutely. deep in the trenches. Do you remember, do you remember 
that feeling of hanging out with your friends at high school, there was yeah. no agenda. Right. You're just there to enjoy the other yeah. people's presence. Yeah. That's right. Think about that. Think about the going in there. If God leads you in a different direction, of course, follow the Spirit, but just be there. No agenda. Be with them. And if a pastor anywhere in Kentucky wants to know where these planters are and yeah. how to reach one of them, you could give them a Absolutely, name. Absolutely, sir. Fairly close to their Absolutely. area. Absolutely. Maybe in their own town Maybe or in their own town. Absolutely. Well, thank you for, thank you for doing, mentioning yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Hope, you, have a, you are a, mar a certified marriage and family therapist. Yes. Did I get that right? Yes. So, how does, how does that reality, you've done training and counseling, yes. you do you actually practice counseling, mm -hmm. um, how does that reality influence or impact your work with, with church planters and church planting? I would say a couple of things. The, the first one, sir, is that I, I firmly believe that we all Christians, we have, we have a human calling and a general calling. Our, our Christian calling is to glorify Jesus in everything we do, mm -hmm. to make Him public, to tell everyone to follow the Great Commission. But we also have a human calling, and that is to look at the world, see what's broken, and how can we fix it? How can we put it together mm -hmm. for God's glory? So in reflecting on that, uh, I can look at my own team. Uh, you look at Carlos. Mm -hmm. Carlos is also really good with computers. Mm -hmm. You look at Dawn Kavanaugh. She has experience in TV production. You look at Eddie. Eddie's a mechanist. Mm -hmm. he, he, he works from bicycles and watches. He's going to, if something is broken, he's going he's gonna to put it together. Toby, he is who he is. Uh, in our department, but he's also a gardener, a really good gardener, mm -hmm. but also has knowledge about web development. So I believe that we all have that capacity to pursue the good of our cities while we are pursuing the proclamation of Christ. Why do I say that? Because that's what I see my counseling for. Because of my upbringing and my, uh, uh, my own needs, seeking counseling when I was younger, I decided and, and God gave me this desire to be an asset to the church. Um, I know that my experience is very unique. Mm -hmm. I'm not speaking for anyone else, sure. just my own experience. But I only got a couple of classes of counseling when I got my MDF. Mm -hmm. And then I got into the field and I realized this is basically what I do all the yeah, time. Yeah. People come to me seeking an opinion that is God-informed and that is also applicable. That's what they're coming for. So that's why I decided to go forth and with the program. And that's also what I try to do with, with our own team. It allows me, my degree allows me to serve our planters to, when it comes to their marital assessment, assessment to determine when they need to pursue counseling. We can do that in-house without necessarily having to outsource it. But again, more importantly, I firmly believe that that's the way that God has wired me, that He gave me that human calling to mm -hmm. see what's broken and how can I use my talents and gifts, spiritual gifts for His glory. So it allows me to provide a higher level of services for our church planters, something that we don't have to necessarily refer, but we can take care of here in-house. So just in everyday life, yes. would, what happens when folks find out that you're a counselor or that you're trained in counseling? Well, first of all, they're going to say, really? Yeah. Can you tell what I'm thinking right now? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's not what counseling like, is, right? No, I cannot remind. So I'm, not, I'm not that kind of person. But do they sometimes just ask, like, can I tell you about my story? Can I tell you about my husband or my Absolutely. wife? Or, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. sir. Absolutely. Because I think, and, and you probably have experienced this, when we are in a position of the helping careers, it yeah. doesn't matter if you're a doctor, it doesn't matter if you're a social work, 
I'm not putting them together. I understand that our Christian calling, vocational calling is different, sure. but even pastors, people immediately tend to open up. Mm -hmm. they, That's true. Right? They want to share with you. And then again, they're seeking God-informed counsel, but also that is applicable. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have time for a 45-minute session. This is my problem right now. What can I yeah. do? Right? Amen. <laughs> so since, since we're having this conversation, yeah. um, pastors are all the time caring for other people. In fact, right before we came on here, yeah. I saw a social media tweet that, that why is it that those who are invested and care for others yeah. often have such a hard time caring for themselves? Yeah. Why do you think in many cases, pastors, church planters, ministry leaders, often have a hard time with self-care sure. while we're constantly providing care for others. Yes, sir. I would say I would say there is a paradoxical situation. It's a situation that contradicts itself. We don't know how to take care of ourselves because we really care about others. And we think that we have within ourselves enough mm -hmm. to take care for others without necessarily repelling what's inside okay. us. So we think, think about us, all of us, we have a tank inside of us. And we know when we are giving and giving and giving, our tank tends to be totally deployed. Mm -hmm. We don't have anything else yep. to give to others. I can tell in my case, I can tell you yesterday was a, it was one of those days. Yeah. By the time that I was making it to my last appointment, I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. I noticed that I was actually driving slower. I didn't want to talk to... I did want to talk to the pastor, but I was trying to drag energy from somewhere to make myself going to that coffee shop. I entered there. I pushed through, you know, uh, professionally as much as I could, and I hoped that it was okay. Yeah. And then I got back, and my wife asked me, she said, how did it go? And I said, I didn't have energy for it. Yeah. She gave me like a five-minute buffer, and then she came back and asked, and she said, actually, she said, well, you know what that means. Yeah. And I said, yeah, my energy is deployed. My, my tank is deployed. It's time for me to remember that I'm not the Messiah. Yeah, that's right. That the limits. That I have limits. That the, that the Scripture doesn't say that, that God's church was going to prevail because of my work. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it with excellency to the best of my capacity. But sometimes I have to remember that I'm not the Messiah. And Hope, just saying that out loud, you're helping people, right? Because we all have limits. Yeah. We're, we're not the Lord. Yeah. And the tank, our tanks get empty. Yeah. And our ministry tank, you're constantly giving out. Sure. So how do, you, how do you refill that tank for yourself so that you are able to yeah. care for yourself while you're ministering to other people? Me personally, sir, um, I'm trying to as much. And this is something uh, that you have heard me talk about before. Um, coming from a big city. Mm -hmm. that is always on the run, 24-7, being an achiever. I want to get things done, and I'm looking for things to do. The practice of the Sabbath, it's always mm -hmm. very limited. Mm -hmm. And the Lord has been telling me, and I, I find myself repeating this to me. I find it telling it to my dogs. They don't speak Spanish <laughs> or English, but I keep on telling them, you, are, you have six days to do all of your work. Mm -hmm. So nothing has to spill over to your Sabbath. That's right. So I'm finding myself, when I practice, when I choose my day for a Sabbath, we'll say, don't do any work, don't reply to emails. Mm -hmm. Well, Scripture goes beyond that and says, you have six days to mow your grass. You have six days mm -hmm. to paint the fence. But this day is for reflection and to fellowship with me. So that's what I'm trying to do. It's really hard. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Uh, Home Depot is the uh, easiest to access yeah. on, on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon 
or uh, you know, or in between, you know, activities on a Sunday or on a Saturday evening. That's one of the things that I do. But the other thing, if if you allow me to go a little bit deeper, is I'm pressing hard into community. Mm -hmm. God keeps on telling me there's not enough within yourself to make an appropriate evaluation of your emotional health. You have to have brothers and sisters around you that are able to notice, they're able to speak truth and love to you, to really challenge you and say, oh, you look a little bit tired. You know, when was the last time have you slowed down? Uh, uh, What's going on in your life? What's going on in your quiet time? And anything, and you also heard me saying this before, I believe that anything that is practiced in isolation Mm -hmm. is always going to be skewed. Mm -hmm. We are broken. Our heart is deceiving. Yes, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, but we have been meant to live the Christian life in community for a reason. Yeah, so, I mean, the, uh, according to the Internet, yeah. uh, 70% of pastors do not have a single close friend that they, yeah. can, they can entrust. Yeah. There's, that research is based on something, but I've not been able to find out sure. where it originally came from. But it's probably pretty accurate. And yeah. just because of ministry leadership, you're in an elevated position, you're leading others, and yeah. many have a hard time finding someone. So, um, Hope, from the background that you have and yeah. your professional training, what are some signs, if I'm a ministry leader, what are some signs for me that I might need to think about uh, seeing a professional counselor? I would say look at, look at the four basics. Okay. When we are talking about this, we are not going to go into all of the details, but according to the book that professionals use to diagnose uh, some kind of deficiencies, some kind of diagnosis, disorders, from depression to schizophrenia, there's a book mm-hmm. that everyone uses. According to that book, the foundational four are Look at the enjoyment of your activities. Mm-hmm. You used to golf a lot. Are you still enjoying golf a lot? Mm-hmm. You used to go and walk with your spouse in the morning. Are you still enjoying that? Number two, how's your sleep? Mm-hmm. Are you sleeping more? Are you sleeping less? We all have bad nights. Right. Very clear. Okay. But we're talking about trends in right. here. Number three, look at your eating habits. Are you eating more? Are you eating less than before? And then number four, Look at your level of isolation. Mm-hmm. Are you le- then again? Are you leaning in into other people? Are you enjoying being with others? Are you comfortable being in the presence of others, or do you find yourself going back? I would say uh, if you respond yes to three out of those four, I would say it's time for you to talk to a professional. At the very least, consult with your spouse, consult with someone that you trust, that you can have some confidentiality and explore what's going on if that's actually happening. That's super helpful because uh, two of those, I heard you mention in a recent webinar that you did or the person that was with you, uh, are you sleeping a a lot more or a lot less than normal? Are you eating a lot more or a lot less? And I shared those. In fact, I listened to those, headed to a sermon I was going to preach. I shared those in the message. I think most folks there would, would have said, yeah, during COVID, uh, those things may have very well been very well been true. Absolutely. So if a if a if a church leader is going to look for a counselor, what yes. are two or three things they should consider when trying to vet maybe someone who would be helpful to them? Yes, sir. Uh, we we live in a in an ever changing uh, uh, social landscape. I would say that today, uh, and and I'm not going to go into far the details, but even as of today, more than ever, you have to look at someone that has proper credentials. Mm-hmm. That guarantees there has been some kind of training, there are some uh, kind of ethical mm-hmm. awareness. You, you know that you're dealing with a professional, but equally, if not more importantly, 
you have to have someone that has a Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. More than ever, that's tremendously important. And so when you're looking at professionals in Kentucky, and looking for, for specifically our people, you are going to see providers coming from three different angles. It's either going to be a social worker mm -hmm. that have a, has counseling training. That's a dual program that multiple universities offer in Kentucky. You're going to look at, like myself, an LMFT, licensed, profession, licensed marriage and family therapist, or you're looking at an LPC, licensed professional counselor. We also have pastoral counseling. Mm -hmm. I would say that's the fourth one. And then a lot of biblical, and pastoral, oh, maybe biblical counseling as well. It depends, yes, depends mm -hmm. on which organization and in which state. If you're going with the first three that I mentioned, someone recommends someone to you that you know has done work in, uh, with other people, I would say don't, do not hesitate. Someone that is professional knows the spirituality. It's a big component of our well-being. A good professional with the proper training would never be offended if you're seeking counsel and if you ask, what's your perspective working with Christians? Mm -hmm. What's your experience? How comfortable do you feel working with someone from the Baptist uh, tradition? That's super helpful. Just an honest conversation Absolutely. try to discern this, if this is a person that's going to help you work through your own, your own challenges. If the, person, if the person on the other line on the email does not respond yeah. or uh, answers in a way that is not professional, you know that's not a person that you need to be working with. And hope if someone, even though it's not your primary work, if someone wanted to hear more about that, they could just reach out to you and call Absolutely, you, sir. have a conversation. You of can course. help them work through Absolutely. Well, thank you for, for, for doing that. So um, if, if you're trying to encourage pastors, leaders right now, yeah. uh, what's something you would say to the, the persons, man, we've just been through two years of a pandemic. Yeah. Ministry feels different than it did. Yeah. There are all kinds of other cultural challenges. Yeah. How, what, are you, what are you trying to do right now to encourage uh, other leaders? That's such a unique question, sir, and hopefully I'm giving you the answer uh, that, that you're looking for. I think, sir, that more than ever, we need to be reminded that we are stronger in Christ than we ever dared to believe. Mm -hmm. When I look at Scripture, God never promised the perfect upward trend happiness in our journey. All mm -hmm. the contrary. Scripture talks about seasons of joy and seasons of mourning, seasons of tears and seasons of, uh, mm -hmm. of laughter. I would say, brothers, they're out there, you're stronger in Christ than you, you even realize. We have not been called to be safe. We have not been called to shy away. We have been called to be strong and to be courageous. And I think I, think I, was, uh, I was an associational, uh, associational meeting this Sunday, and I was uh, sharing briefly on, on Joshua and, and his calling from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the Lord says to him three times, be brave and be courageous, be brave and be courageous. Those, those two qualities, personality traits, they only show up when there's a need for That's them. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. when, I'm, when I'm at home, as I was last night, watching a movie with Marcella, I don't have to be brave and courageous to do <laughs> right. that, right? Uh, bravery and courage show up in times of need and situations like this. So I wanna say, brothers, we, we are stronger than we, than we even realize. And then the second one is, just remember that you are not alone. Mm -hmm. We may have, for multiple reasons, led to believe that we are alone, but we are not alone. We have, we have 24, 23 
plus pastors across the state of Kentucky that are dealing with the same situations. Yeah. And, and we have so many more in the nation that we can reach out. This is the time of information. There has been never easier access to both materials yep. and people and than so ever before. On that point right there, yeah. you have a webinar coming up tomorrow night yes, sir. called well-being it's a well-being webinar yeah it and is so the subject you're going to be dealing with is we are going to be talking on how god created us to have intimate intimate relational connection with others friendship and if folks want to register yes they can go uh look at the uh at the link that is on, on the website email us we are going to send a mass email as well today, and the final reminder, mm -hmm. people will get information. Go to our KBC website, go to the search bar, just type in uh, well-being. You can have access to the first one that mm -hmm. we had uh, two months ago, and you can also register. You will find a link in there to register for, for the one that is happening. And tomorrow. no additional cost to register. Their church has already paid Absolutely. for it. They're program giving. They can ask questions, I think, yes, at the sir. end of the, the yes, time sir. as well. Well, Hope, thank you for doing that. Thank you for yeah. caring for leaders. So two final questions yes, real quick. Sir. What's your favorite Kentucky restaurant? Right now, I'm enjoying two. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, uh, well, one is called Nave. Okay. It's a uh, farm to table, fully okay. uh, vegan, uh, really good, impossible burger. That's the best one. Well, uh, you just lost most of us right there. But yeah, go right, 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 right. It's really good. <laughs> the second one is the Fish House. Okay. It's, uh, it's a mom's and pop's kind of restaurant uh, in between the Highlands and Germantown. If, you, if anyone that is listening, uh, if you're gluten um, intolerant, they have a separate fryer, okay. and you can let them know, and they're going to treat you well. <laughs> so, Good sandwich. So when you came to Kentucky, yes. what, what's like the oddest thing that you had to get used to or the thing that just so caught you off guard you weren't prepared for coming from Mexico City? I, I, Americans have, and I'm an American citizen, so I say this with a humble heart, um, we have a machine for everything. Yeah like a tool for everything like growing up in mexico you improvise you are putting on a window you find a hammer and a <laughs> screwdriver and figure it out and then you come to america and you try to do that and it's like no, no no wait a minute we have a tool for that yeah. if either is changing a light bulb or painting something so we have funny. an extension we we have something for everything the second thing was and i'm still sir, trying to adjust why do americans eat supper so early mm. To me, I want to eat supper at 7.38 at night. Okay, let's do both. Let's have an early There you morning go. Morning, <laughs> morning. So uh, you referenced your, the car. That's yes. your all-time favorite car. Yes, tell sir. us tell us what this car is. It's a VW, a Volkswagen Golf GTI third generation. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was a, a red Volkswagen Rabbit. I thought that yeah, that's, you've changed. Yeah, I did change. But it was a Rabbit. That was one of the cars that I had. Those are impossible to get in America yeah. and expensive, especially now. But yeah, I'm a manual kind of guy, and yeah, I, I can tell you stories about that. Hope, thank you for your ministry. Thank Appreciate you for serving it, Kentucky Baptist. Thank you for serving church planters and thank doing you. it in a way that's, a, that's collaborative, trying to bring everyone together and working with the yes. people that want to help out with it. We're grateful for you, and thanks, thanks so for much. joining Leadership Lessons. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Leadership Lessons. This program is made possible by the generous contributions by Kentucky Baptist through the cooperative program. For more information about the Kentucky Baptist Convention, go to kybaptist.org. And for news about how Kentucky Baptist churches are making a difference, go to kentuckytoday.com.